Drawn Out, a podcast about Disney animated film. I'm your host, Brooke. I'm your other host, Chase. We're here today with a super, 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 super special guest. It's a lot of supers. It's a lot of supers. <laughs> um, very, very excited to have Brie Williams here for our Sleeping Beauty episode, which Hi. is also coincidentally our Thanksgiving episode. Oh. This is going to come out the Tuesday before. Oh, no, Tuesday after nope. Thanksgiving. Tuesday after. All right. We could re-record this intro, or we could just live it's fine. with my mistakes. I, I think you're editing. Just take, so. your, take, take it wrong. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so this is um, Bree here, our third voice that you've never heard before. I know we once had Sushi on as a guest, but Sushi didn't really have a lot to say. Mm-mm. So I'm really excited to hear what Bree has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Bree Sushi? Sushi is my cat. Oh, okay. <laughs> She, she likes to hang out in the room when we record. Yeah, and sometimes we'll ask what she thinks. We'll be like, hey, Sushi, how did you feel about Make My Music? And she'll be like, stare. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but so this is Brie, and Brie is uh, super awesome, and I'm really, really, really lucky to know Brie. So Brie here is a production assistant for Wild Carry Animation, uh, which is a sister studio to Disney. Um, so she works on Disney Junior show um i can't say what it is because that's okay (laughs) not out to the public but soon it will be but yeah i'm a production assistant uh, working on a disney junior show and it's really fun and really great and um the mouse indirectly gives me money Uh, but I didn't meet Brie through animation. Um, I kind of met Brie like indirectly through some podcasting stuff in communities. And Brie is one of the co-hosts and the producer for a podcast, Black and Animated, which we've referenced on this show. Um, <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> um, and I really enjoy the show. They just finished up season one. If you want to go check them out, um, Brie and Way do an amazing job. Um, and your season two starting in February. Yeah, is- yeah, we're very excited. We've got um, a lot of really cool people lined up on the docket for um, everyone to listen to, as well as good uh, topics about animation and how it relates to black culture as a whole coming your way. So look forward to that February 2019. Ooh, exciting. That's so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. I can't even imagine, like, we didn't talk about seasons when we sat down for this podcast. We were just like, I was just watching Disney movies. <laughs> well, I don't. Well, well, that's we really, chill, well we, yeah. I don't think we really needed it, though, no. because we're not doing tons of extra production on it. We're not also having, um, like, tons of guests who aren't already our friends and family. <laughs> fair, fair. I do also, um, every time, I probably shouldn't click my pen while we're recording, um, every time I'm putting in the, like, track and album and everything, mm-hmm. I always keep the album current with whatever like era of animation we're in Mm -hmm. so if you call that seasons we're on season three there you go (laughs) because we've done what golden age world war ii era and we're in the we're like heart of the silver age but we don't really we haven't really set our heart on like whether or not we agree with that system. Fair. I think we'll probably get more into. Oh that. yeah, because because yeah, like that because yeah. that can kind of like cause discourse between people and their favorite movies. Like yeah, like this is this period. This is that period. because well, it's, like, oh, it's based because we we think it's based, it's based on, on Walt. It's based on Walt, and honestly, he is not the most important thing in any Disney movie. No, I, I said it. <laughs> Careful, uh, you will get He's shot. coming through the door right now. I will fight He's him. He's here. I will fight him on this, oh, the birthday of Michael Mouse. 
<laughs> oh man. Um. You're talking some smack about my dad. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Get him, Mickey. I don't know. That's, a really, that's a really bad Walt impression. I don't know why I made him like a grandpa. I mean, he is a grandpa. I don't know. Uh, he does have a very distinct cadence, but I wouldn't even know where to begin to imitate it. I don't know. It's so hard. It's so hard to do anybody speaking mid-century style unless they are from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> or Chicago. Chicago. Portillas. Uh, Chicago. So, before we dig into the short this week, we have some questions for Brie. Yes, we do. Oh, so man. I gotta go. Largely. <laughs> this is too much. I didn't sign up for this. This is largely a Disney nostalgia podcast, so let's dig into some of your Disney nostalgia. I thought let's that this was the DreamWorks cast. Oh, yeah, we're watching How to Train Your Dragon today. <laughs> as long as it's not a B-movie, I'm fine. <laughs> no, we're doing, we're doing that on Groundhog's Day, and, we're, and then we're going to release that episode five million times. <laughs> and is every episode going to be like, every time they say B, it'll just like, the audio will just get squeakier and squeakier? <laughs> just like up the pace. There you go. Or every time jazz comes up. <laughs> still have anxiety <laughs> about the bee buggy. I thought you were talking about the ugly bug ball for a second. No. Which is cute. But oh, yeah, that one is cute. I remember, I think that was on one of my sing-along videos growing up. Yeah, that's how I know about it. Yeah. To, gotta crawl, gotta crawl to the ugly bug ball. To the ball, to the ball. Sorry, yeah. this isn't what this no, is about. No, that is what this is about. Like, what do you remember about growing up like with Disney movies as a kid? I remember watching Cinderella a lot and also getting very emotional over the Lion King. <laughs> like that to this day has been one of my favorite films. I know Lion King's a little cliche, but there's something about it that is so deep and impactful to me yeah. more so than any other Disney film. Well, I'd say if I could rank them, it'd be um, Lion King and then Hunchback of Notre Dame. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like Lion King, I think is powerful, just like specifically our it generation, is. right? Yeah. Like yeah. it came out when we were kids and it's probably one of the earliest film memories we really have mm-hmm. as kids. That's so striking. Yeah. <sighs> and I mean, it is, you know, it's Shakespearean. Yeah. Yeah. And it, so it sticks. Yeah. <laughs> um, not all Shakespearean. Just because it's Shakespearean, though, doesn't mean it sticks. I literally did lose my mind today over Nomeo and Juliet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but those sing-along videos, too, like you mentioned, yeah. like I, I had um, that one with the ugly bug ball mm-hmm. on it. And it was just really cute because I also, for the first time, because that video found out about Old Yeller through it. And I remember the song like, here, Yeller, come back, Yeller. Oh Best dog on dog in the <laughs> West. Old Yeller was a mongrel, a rough and tough and mongrel. Oh my god! <laughs> and I've never seen Old Yeller, but I remember that song really well because and now of that single. No, I video. do too because I, rem- I remember that one. Too. We had a bunch, but and Jiminy Cricket, I, he was like the <gasps> MC of that particular one. Yes, yeah, he was. Oh my gosh, love those. I really hated sing-along growing <laughs> up. That's because you weren't a singer. <laughs> I sang in my school plays, but 
I just didn't like sing alongs. I just wanted to watch the movie. I was a purist as a child. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. No, see, <laughs> so, I, yeah. Did you have the Disney Park uh, like resort VHS tapes too? Because I had one that was specifically all about Disney World. And it made me sad because I was like, I can't go to Disney World because we can't afford it. <laughs> no, and I really wanted to go. <laughs> no, I, I didn't have those. I think my mom got all the sing-along ones just because it kept me from singing in the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if anything, it would make you sing more in the grocery store. I don't know. It gave me another outlet for mm, it. There you go. All your energy was already expelled by the yeah. time you got there. <laughs> and now it's all in the car or when I'm home alone. Mm-hmm. In the shower. Before you go to sleep, when you wake up at 3 a.m. and have existential dread, Hakuna Matata. Yeah, that's a great time to No sing. worries for the rest of your days. Oh, God. I have so many bills to pay. Sorry. I, don't, I didn't mean to get a little too real there. No, it's, no, it's okay. It's real. I mean... I was about to say, well, I can't do that because I live with my parents, but that's a great reason. <laughs> like, I live with my parents. What what else do I have to lose? <laughs> a good point. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. that's an excellent point. Uh, so the, my next question, though, then, uh, within the last, like, 10, 15 years, do you have a favorite Disney movie? Um, so, because like growing up, you said you watched Cinderella a lot. Lion and and Bambi, too. Ooh, Bambi, because, okay. like, Bambi, I think, made me cry several times mm. when I watched it just because seeing Bambi in the snow all alone mm-hmm. when he's just calling out for his mother, mm-hmm. like that really hurt me as a child. Oh, for sure. Because I was an only child and like my dad wasn't really in the picture. So like to me, my mom was yeah, everything. Yeah. And I was just like, oh no, yes, what's he going to do? His mom's dead. I don't know what I would do. This is weird. And our death is becoming a thing, a reality to me. Oh God, what is this? And I'm little, I'm like, what's happening? And also too, just like being, which kind of leads to my career in animation a little bit and like wanting to do it. Yeah. Um, I felt that I was kind of like this oddball kid with my Disney VHS tapes because I would wait till the tape was done. And then Walt would come on screen and be like, this is the multiplane camera. And this is how we do this. And I'm like, that's really interesting. Can I do that? I want to be a drawer, as I called it. <laughs> like, I wanted to know everything. I always waited to see those special features. Other kids turned up like, no, 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 no. no shh, let them, he's talking. Let me, let, me, let me see how this is made. <laughs> um, but yeah, in like the last 10 to 15 years, I guess. How old am I now? I'm 25. <laughs> I know. So, like, 10 years is kind of a long time. But, like, I think, like, because the stuff that we enjoy as an adult is kind of different from the stuff we enjoy as a kid. So right. So, I'm just curious, like, what films have come out more recently that you really, like, love? Or if, and maybe none of them. Like, maybe the old stuff is the good stuff. Moana but... really hit me hard. Mm. It hit me a lot harder than I thought it was going to because um, I didn't realize there was a grandmother-granddaughter relationship in that movie till I watched it with my boyfriend. And we went to the theater and then spoilers for Moana. Sorry. (laughs) Hopefully you've seen it by now. Um, I guess uh, Chase and Brooke will put maybe a timestamp if you want to skip. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't matter because I'm the one who hasn't seen it here. (laughs) Oh, no. I think I don't want to say it. No, it's it's mostly it's a a little bit out of depression and a little bit out of spite at this point. So honestly, go ahead. (laughs) All right. Well, um, the grandmother passes away in Moana, and my 
the year that Moana came out was the year that my granny had passed away. Oh, yeah. Man. And it came out um, at the so my granny passed away at the top of 2016, and Moana came out at the end of 2016. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. And that was still a very fresh wound, and mm-hmm. it was very hard in the theater for me to watch it because I was just like, I'm getting emotional thinking about it right now. Oh, Sorry, because my granny and I were very close, and Moana and her grandmother were extremely mm-hmm. close and talked about everything, mm-hmm. and like she was the catalyst for her to like go out and do a. a be yourself and do the best she could and my granny like always told me like you know you can do anything and like i'm here for you to support you and even in death like her grandmother her spirit literally Mm -hmm. i know it's fictional but like her spirit literally came and talked to her and like um as someone who is a religious like i've my after my granny passed away like uh she came and spoke to me and like told me it would be all right so that really Mm. got me (laughs) got me i was like oh i was not ready for that (laughs) it's even kind of and as much as i like moana it's still kind of hard for me to watch it yeah like especially as soon as um there's a moment in the film where moana is struggling and she's just all alone by herself and then like the spirit of her grandmother comes and talks to her and says like you know i shouldn't have pressured you and if you want to go home that's totally okay and she starts singing about how like uh she loves her and like how proud of her she is and like when that part comes up in the movie sometimes i can't get through and i have to turn it off (laughs) so yeah moana is uh out of the recent ones that one i think might be my favorite out of the yeah. recent Disney films. Mm-hmm. Princess and the Frog is important to me as well. But I have some problems with that. <laughs> but I'm, we'll say that for another discussion. Yeah. But as far as like emotional, deep connections, Moana really, mm-hmm. I think, out of the recent ones, is what uh, I love the most. Do you have a favorite Disney song of any era? Ooh, any era. Um, definitely out there. From Hunchback and Hunchback. Oh Hunch my gosh, mm. yes. Uh, Tom Tom is little, like, vibrato going on. <laughs> uh, but um, I really enjoy that song so much. I don't I don't know why. As a kid, I always sang it. And um, I guess a close second to that would be I Can Go the Distance from Hercules. Mm. And my mom would always have me sing it. She'd be Aww. like, please sing I Can Go the Distance. And then I would, and then she'd make fun of me a little bit. Well, <laughs> now she makes fun of me for it because she says, yeah, you couldn't say strong right. And, she, <laughs> and I'd be like, I can be squong. Oh, so <laughs> cute. I can go the distance. <laughs> Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite villain. Favorite villain. Oof. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm like doing twos. Like I don't. It's hard to pick one. No. Uh, Maleficent and Jafar. Ooh. Jafar is a good one. Jafar is a good one. Maleficent is just so powerful in everything that she does, and I'm not saying that just because we're gonna do Sleeping Beauty (laughs) later. I just really enjoy Maleficent so much because. She likes to, she likes being bad, and that's all that matters, really. And I know that, like, there are some characters in um, media that I do have a problem with that because sometimes their actions are a little too extreme. And I'm like, why are you doing this? You're just evil to be evil. But in her case, I feel like her evilness is already set up to the point where, like, I don't really need to have, like, a deep backstory of why she is the way she is. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, kind of a clear cut, like, this is good, this is evil. And she does it with grace. And, like, she's an authority figure. Mm-hmm. And I really, really love that. Like, you do not mess with this woman. Mm-hmm. 
Like she she will turn you into I don't know a stone rock. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and with Jafar, he's just I don't know. I just really like Jafar because he's very conniving and just very fun to watch. Like I kind of I want to see him succeed, but I also want him to be taken down. And um, his shape shifting is just so cool. Yeah. Like I really enjoy that. Yeah. He definitely falls in that category of 90s villains that have, like, grace, class, and sass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, like, probably went over your head as a kid. Yeah. But, like, as an adult, you're like, ah, oh, this this man or woman is a mood. Like mm-hmm. a big, big, big mood. <laughs> big mood. <laughs> but if I can throw a villain out here real quick is yeah. like a, like a honorable mention, Lady Tremaine. <gasps> yes. Because, um, and, and I've only... Um, come to terms with her like eloquent evilness as an adult because it's a lot more subtle mm-hmm. than other Disney villains. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this in the same vein as Mother Gothel, yeah. but I feel that if we ignore Mother Gothel and just look at classic stuff, Lady Tremaine is way is like extremely like abusive, but in like ways that aren't like. It's like emotional and like verbal abuse and just like tearing her down mm-hmm. and like t- telling tell, tearing Cinderella down. Like even though Cinderella's like, oh, I'm happy, it's fine. It's just like, uh, you kind of want to be like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> you sure you're good? <laughs> this woman's kind of gaslighting you. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we talked about like how terrifying she yeah. is. If only because she's like real to like people. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very real and like just her her stare like the way um that she was animated and like her character design um mm-hmm. like her shapes like they're very stark and like mm-hmm. like her eyes are very piercing and the mm-hmm. colors they choose for it like she just gives you a look like that moment where cinderella's like you know just dancing and she's like singing to herself mm-hmm. and then she just stares it down and, and then it kind of zooms in close on her face you're like like as it I grows darker in her eyes you're like i don't want to be around this person yeah well and she's the same voice and design as Maleficent. There we go. So. It all comes back. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, final question. Favorite hero and or princess? Because those can conflate. Favorite hero. Jeez. I never really thought about the heroes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do have a favorite hero. It's Milo Thatch from Atlantis. Oh, yes. I really like Milo. Like, I know that the other heroes, they're all really cool and whatnot, but... Milo's special because he's kind of a giant weenie and he does his best. And um, you can kind of criticize Milo for being a little white savior-y because he is yeah. a white male coming into mm-hmm. another culture and being like, I'm going to save it. But he he's also kind of a, um, what's the proper word for it? Like a, you're tearing down like the archetype or... Like, subvert? You're subvert. He kind of, he kind of subverts the ar- archetype a little bit of that um trope because he is um this like weenie nerd dude and he's not like typical like buff like hero man of like Mm -hmm. the 80s or 90s or whatever coming in to like save the other culture or like Mm -hmm. how um leonardo dicaprio is in blood diamond a little bit Mm -hmm. like he's not like that milo wants to respect the culture that he's Mm -hmm. coming in Mm -hmm. He's not, he's like the, he's the opposite of our villain, Rourke, the complete opposite where Rourke wants to take it and destroy it and use it for power and gain. Milo wants to just like, hey, like, oh, these, there are people here, they're thriving. Maybe we shouldn't be here because this is not our place. Mm -hmm. So that's why I really enjoy Milo. I also think he's very attractive. (laughs) 
I mean, I think he's very attractive. That's Not great. as attractive as Prince Naveen. Mm. But mm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember like reading that they like are watching that like Flynn was designed to be the most attractive. And I'm like, mm, why? Mm, you did no. it already. You, you, already you, did yeah, it. you already did yeah. it. You already yeah. did it. They <laughs> sure did. Oh yeah, but I think it's like. Uh, the fact that Rourke is like a military man who admires Western novels is like not subtle at all. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like, oh, there's a, there's a light supremacist over here. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Such a good film. I guess favorite princess. And then, again, I'm splitting it into categories. My favorite classic princess, not because we're watching it, but my favorite classic princess is Aurora out of like mm-hmm. the OG3. Mm-hmm. This is going to sound kind of mean, but they're all kind of boring. But. Yeah. I think that Aurora is, despite her sleeping the whole time, <laughs> she's a little more compelling, but I think it really is mostly just visually. Oh yeah, like her mm-hmm. design is phenomenal yeah. and yeah. different. And I think that's why I like her more, despite um, Cinderella being the more, out of the OG3, having more personality. Mm-hmm. I think that Aurora, I'm a little more drawn to just because of her visual design mm-hmm. that like uh, Mark Davis and crew worked on. And I, I think that's why like I'm just so drawn yeah. to like her a little bit more out of those three. Yeah. Snow White, she's there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't really like Snow White. It's fine, it's, okay. fine. it's fine. I'm not gonna fight you on my podcast over the OG princesses. <laughs> We have said our piece about about the first two. Yeah, we we enjoy them um, Mm -hmm. as characters. I really enjoy Snow White. I think that she's... She's fun. She's she's sweet. She just doesn't really do anything for me. I find her very relatable. But, you know, we we, we talked about my baby hunger at dinner, so... Yeah, I like that she uses the skills she has mm-hmm. to face a situation mm-hmm. she really shouldn't be prepared for. Yeah. Like, and like we talked a lot about how like she's a princess and she should have been raised as a princess, but she's raised as a servant and mm-hmm. like what that must look like. And like, mm-hmm. I love her a lot. Um, and then we both love Cinderella for lots of reasons, mm-hmm. but those are mostly live action reasons, I think. <laughs> there are a lot of live action <laughs> reasons. I haven't um, seen that yeah. one. I need to watch well, that because I hear it's pretty good. It's... If it was not a work night, I would say, hey, guess what? We're staying late. And we're watching <laughs> Cinderella. Work, you, you work tomorrow? No, but Brie works Oh, yeah, tomorrow. that's right. Sorry. Brie doesn't work in education like no. me. <laughs> so I got to go make those cartoons. Right? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, but as far as like other princess, because I'd like to separate the OG3 yeah, from yeah. the other ones just because I feel like they... I can't. I feel like I can't fully compare them because sure. they are yeah. a product of their time a bit yeah. more than the other princesses. Yeah. It's gonna have to be Tiana, just mm. because I enjoy her work ethic. I uh, having a black princess really was an emotional thing for me. I was just like, oh, finally, oh my god, and. Again, I have a lot of feelings about the movie as a whole, but I'll mm-hmm. save that for later. <laughs> um, but it's just really nice to see someone that looks like me on screen yeah, in a yeah. Disney film as a main character. And um, she works really hard. And I feel like a lot of the women in my family, like they're all like Tiana. They're just like strong, uh, strong, hardworking black women that like just do their best to like achieve their goals. And like they don't mess around and like they get stuff done. And I feel like I kind of am like that. At least I would hope so. <laughs> so that's why I love Tiana a lot the most. Awesome. Yeah. 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 It pretty much covers Disney love and childhood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we can dig into our short. Um, John Henry was a mighty man. <laughs> so we picked John Henry. Well, you we didn't. You picked. Brie picked John I did, Henry. Because uh, I really like that short. Yeah. So it's, 
Yeah. We cool. asked Brie, pick a short, and this is the one that Brie picked, which made me really excited because I friggin' love John Henry. Me too. Um, it's 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 one of the greats. Yeah, which and I'm excited because we talked about American lore in some shorts that mm-hmm. were not as great. Yeah. So I'm excited to dig into American lore. John Henry. I'm excited to learn a little bit more about American lore stuff because I only really know about Johnny Appleseed for the most part and I know a little bit about the OG John Henry story but probably not as much as I should. (laughs) Um, So OG John Henry story uh, is not that different from the short which Mm -hmm. is a former American slave who works to lay track on the Mm -hmm. Transcontinental Railroad or just any railroad, actually. Oh, um, they come up with a machine that does the job faster, so he challenges the machine um, that he could do the job faster than the machine can, and then he does it through a mountain mm-hmm. faster than the machine, and it like is overexertion, and he dies at the end of it, even though he won. So it is. It fits like a lot of that American spirit, mm-hmm. which is why it's such a popular folk tale. Like it's like, a, like pu- taking, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. and just working hard. Yeah, and overcoming mm-hmm. intervention with determination and and self sacrifice. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't remember all the forms it's taken over the years, but I remember, I remember the short from two thousand, and I remember um, hearing the Johnny Cash song version of it. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, DC made a superhero called uh, Steel, who was basically a black Superman who was made out of iron because he was a John Henry reference. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so he's referenced throughout culture. Like, he is an icon, and um, they mentioned before the short that they visited the tunnel that John Henry dug. But there and, are so many of those in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, you can pretty much wander the South and land on one. Um mm-hmm. Because everyone wants to kind of claim that piece of American history and folklore, which, I mean, just kind of, like, speaks to, like, how interesting and how good it is, right? Like, it's compelling. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool. So I think, like, diving into the short, one of the first things that's striking is the art style. Oh, my God. Um, I love... It's so good. The patchwork intro. Like Like, the design of it is very reminiscent of like the nine old men era mm. because you still see those construction lines yeah. in the animation and it's not as like i don't want to say clean but you still see the work that mm-hmm. was put mm-hmm. into like the in-betweens and like the keyframes yeah. and like that's kind of lost now well it was lost completely almost in a way in feature because every um feature animation is all cg now for the yeah. most part at least over in the west mm-hmm. um not so much over in the east <laughs> but over here there's some sort of a idea that hey you need to make cg to make money for feature which isn't a bad thing it's just it'd be nice to see a couple 2d films that every now and then and it's not like you can't make 2d animation with a computer yeah because 2D isn't dead, it's thriving in television at the moment. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people tend to forget. <laughs> but yeah, just the seeing that work in the construction lines and whatnot, which I'm. it seems like they did do it on paper, um, the old school yeah. way for that. Yeah. I feel the credits like were specifically digital cleanup, but I yeah. kind of assumed that the animation itself must have been done more traditionally. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the character designers... Um, 
are a couple people that are pretty well known like you might not know their names but you know their work like carol holiday she um uh, an amazing black woman who was an animator for disney and has worked throughout the industry um she uh was a character designer on goofy goofy movie nice she was kind of responsible for making the characters look as teenage and relatable as they did <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> so, so, good. so definitely look up carol holiday's work she's great and um bruce smith he was um animator character designer on this short as well you might recognize his name if you were to look it up as the uh, creator of the proud family oh, oh you guys interviewed him right no we talked oh, okay. about his stuff we okay. didn't interview him okay we talked about um the film that he worked on or that he created called uh, baby's kids which pre yeah which i remember that i think is it either predates or is around proud family i can't remember <laughs> Check out the Baby's Kids episodes of Black and Animated <laughs> to learn more about that. Um, and I, I thought that that kind of like mess, slightly messier, fuzzier style, it kind of contributed to the idea of like it's a it's a folk tale. Mm-hmm. If, it ha- if, if, mm-hmm. if it really happened, we don't really know what happened. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, and I think too, like it kind of shows like it's a story about hard work and determination mm-hmm. and you're kind of showing off your hard work and determination yeah, yeah. you can do you're literally seeing the work that everyone yeah. put into it yeah and i love the backgrounds in the short they just feel so americana mm-hmm. like they're full of those dark lines and like kind of uneven lines and mm-hmm. art, very reminiscent gorgeous. of like art pieces you would see like just hanging in like the art institute of chicago and other yeah. things like that because i was trying to figure out i'm like man these backgrounds like i don't know what the name for the styles but i've seen artwork like this just in galleries yeah i could i'm trying to think of like what period of american art you would pin it down to because it would certainly be later than and when john henry's folktale would originate right um it would probably be more turn of the century maybe like 1930s or 40s almost um which 30s and 40s is really when american art began to embody that spirit of hard work because that's the great depression and so you're idolizing work that's getting done well, in and, art. and that really fits the story yeah. too because it's your american worker versus big bad capitalism yep Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a note that says, uh, can you fight industrial capitalism with honor? You would like to think that you could. We would like to think so, yes. But, um, but, or, but maybe you can and then you'll die. Yeah, you can yeah. and then you'll die. And... But you'll die an honorable death? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fight the power. Yeah. Um, I just like I like the moment when the workers go to topple over the engine. I'm like, yes! And then John Henry's like, no, we need to like do this properly. I'm like, oh, John Henry, you're so good. Mm-hmm. But also... You're gonna <laughs> die. You're gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, God, it's just such a good story for like all those reasons and that and the song is just going to stay with you forever oh my god the song yeah the the song really in embodies like a lot of um uh just like gospel music in a way and um like type call and response music that you would hear um from from like slaves on the field Mm -hmm. and even i think that um the john henry short is really amazing uh not only because it is an american folktale but also because it is um at its core an african-american folktale because it is about this uh former 
a freed slave who's trying to do his best to create this wonderful new life for his wife and his uh, soon-to-be son who will be born and his people. And yeah, granted, there are like other people who are not black that are in the crowd. Uh, John Henry is a black folktale. And just having that on screen for young black children to look at is is a wonderful, powerful message, especially like, um, I know it was made in like, what, 2000, 2001, 2000. But for because it's available on Netflix, you can watch in that Disney uh, shorts collection with modern stuff like Frozen and Paperman, young black kids right now will find that and they will be exposed to it. And in our current political climate, that's just rife with like racist imagery and all kinds of like just really awful stuff there's this positive image that says like hey look at this really powerful black man who when in a lot of media unfortunately we see like black men as a threat this man is not and Mm -hmm. you as a young black boy you can achieve great things and you don't have to be afraid you can do this Mm -hmm. and that's why it's just so amazing Mm -hmm. you're absolutely right yes um I was paying attention to kind of the John Henry's wife and like mm-hmm. her characterization. Um, Cause this is the most modern woman we've watched as part of this yeah. film. We're jumping way ahead yeah. for us who are like trying to go chronologically to see like, how is she written and portrayed? And like, she has her own character arc, mm-hmm. which like I found really fascinating where she, I guess is more like me. And she's like, John, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, yeah, you don't do this. Just break the machine. Like, this is stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, But when he like feels defeated, she like realizes like, no, he needs to do this. Mm -hmm. And like that work Mm -hmm. ethic is just part of who he is. And like, it'll, it might end him, but she kind of has to be okay with that because he's okay with that. Mm -hmm. That was like really powerful for me. And I just really love her Mm -hmm. and her character. You know, Addie Woodford, uh, does a really good job portraying her. Um, and um, for people who don't know Ada Woodford, she's a pretty uh, prominent uh, black actress. She's been in a lot of different films. Um, you'd probably recognize her as, what is it, Mrs. Mrs. Who? Mrs. What's it? One of the, the main Mrs. in the old Wrinkle in Time that mm-hmm. Disney did, not the new one with Oprah. Um, You'd also probably recognize her from um, a couple of Tyler Perry uh, films mm-hmm. and uh, just like an abundance of other like uh, black films that you can look her up. Her, she's really great. Nice. Yeah, her, should she do the singing voice as well? No. No, no okay. singing voice is different. Well, that's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love her character. And the bucket drop with the nails is such a good... And the color change when they're in the tunnel, like... That. Oh God! Yeah, and those flashing, like the flashing lights, yeah. and that his the hammers are still smoldering. Yeah, his, I love. I that's one. That's one of the things that stuck with me since I was a kid. That image of him like breaking through a mountain so hard it causes sparks, and mm-hmm. that that silhouette, like that silhouette of like of a black hero, like that was something that like you know that I hadn't seen either as a little white kid, and I think that I think it was good for me too. Yeah. Because, like, uh, you bringing that up just made me think that, like, it's just symbolic of the struggle that uh, Black people have always had to go through of, like, literally having to break through mountains and break through mm-hmm. hard barriers like that, even if it kills mm-hmm. us, in order to uh, get to where we need to be and pave the way for those future generations. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what a lot of uh, people like Dr. King and Ida B. Wells, like, they had to literally break through those mountains or to pave the way for young black people like me in order to be in spaces where I can like talk to 
folks like you guys comfortably and not have to worry about these things. <laughs> Granted, like it isn't perfect. As I said, our political climate is like, oh, right yeah. now. But it's just really powerful imagery. And it's thinking about it is making me a little emotional. <laughs> yeah. I cried while we were watching this. <laughs> I, I got Misty. Chase straight up cried. Yeah, I did. Uh, two teardrops, exactly. <laughs> um, and a lot more tear welling. Like, legacy just, like, is something that's so powerful to me. And what we leave behind and how we pave the way for future generations or what we give to them. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother passed away a year ago now. Um, and she's the one who, like, taught me to love art. It's made me think a lot of, like, what will I leave behind? And, like, what am I doing for future generations? Um, not that my struggle is in any way John Henry's or yours. But, like, we all have an impact to make. Um, and we get to decide what that impact is in a lot of ways. And we also don't get to decide. Mm-hmm. Like, whether John Henry was real or not, or whoever he was, like, he didn't decide to leave this mm-hmm. impact, but he still did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just wild to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's why I cried. <laughs> <laughs> it's a darn good short. It is. Oh, it's so good. Like, whether or not Mark Hinn and the crew were trying to, like, make us all cry and make us feel emotional... Um, they certainly did, like you said, <laughs> leaving yeah. behind those feelings and legacies. Well, and I think, like, I'm sure that they meant you to feel emotional. Like, right. Art is supposed to make you feel things. Um, so, I don't know if you're meant to cry your eyes out at the end of this. <laughs> Maybe not like Little Matchstick Girl. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm coming. Just because you've uh, produced Hunchback doesn't mean I'm not coming for you. <laughs> That's my notes, honestly. Mm-hmm. The backgrounds, the hammers, mm-hmm. the lore, capitalism. I think I mentioned like the quilting, like mm-hmm. motif and the mm-hmm. quilting. But I was like, but that's another thing that makes it so uniquely American. Yeah, right. Well, and especially uniquely having a fe- African American. Yeah, and it and it's and having a female narr- female narrator. It's like like it's a nice little layer of. Americana, you know, this isn't just a man's story. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a community story. It's a community story, and you need and you need the women for that too. Yeah, and and the children. Like, if you don't have anyone to pass on to, yeah. mm-hmm. um, what does it and if, mean? You know, if you don't have anybody, if you don't have anybody to put the blanket around, why make it? <laughs> yeah, I think he's continuing to tell that story through like the the artwork and mm-hmm. the patchwork on the yeah. quilts are very beautiful as well. And the credits being like the patchwork as well. Yeah, That's I also really like fun. That. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same continuing legacy thing. We're almost at an hour and we haven't even watched our movie yet. Oh, whoops. Whoops. So that's fun. Um, but it's a really darn good short. Like, yeah. It's good. Um, so are we ready to go watch Sleeping Beauty? I am yeah. ready. Before we watch, Brooke, last time you watched this movie. Um, last year at Thanksgiving, um, my... Um, one of my best friends is, um, is from China. And so she stayed with me all during Thanksgiving break last year. And we were, and you know, we were like, well, you know, what Disney movies have you seen? And she hadn't seen a lot of them. And one of them we watched was, we watched Sleeping Beauty as, as part of our, Hey, let's get you, let's get you a little more into Disney. Let's get you, let's get you watching. Indoctrinate to the mouse. There were a little bit she had seen. We're like, you should watch him in English now. I mean, she's an English teacher. Like, you know, there wasn't going to be an issue or anything. And yeah, I'm excited for her to come on when we watch Mulan. Yeah, I'm excited too. Mm -hmm. Great. Last time you watched it. Last month. 
Last month. Yeah. Really, I watched my. Know. I watched the Disney movies a lot. And uh, well, I bought the DVD, so I was like, I'm gonna watch this because yeah. I thought I had it in VHS, and I was upset that I didn't. So oh. I'm like, I'm gonna get this DVD. Maybe I've watched it within the last month. It's one of the ones I fall asleep to, like so many others. But like because of the Tchaikovsky soundtrack, I just am like play, and I can just be at peace mm-hmm. and sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, so. be at peace and sleep. This is the 14th century. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Prince Philip, and I'll be here until next Thursday. (laughs) Um, So on that note, let's go watch that we did we did it once upon a dream oh making it relevant (laughs) (laughs) so um well go go so that was capital a art yes Yes. (laughs) uh this might be like the first time we're coming into a film and i'm like i just love it like i'm sure we'll find things to pick at but like i'm just really happy it's (laughs) it's solid like it's it's one of those animated films that you just can't really find too many issues with like maybe there's like one little thing here and there but it's kind of like ah it's fine don't worry about it you just you're engaged in the story you're engaged in the artwork you're engaged with the characters the music everything about it like it capital a art yeah (laughs) So a little bit of background um, for Sleeping Beauty. It's 1959, so we're at the tail end of the 50s, um, which you can see in some of the costuming and bits and pieces. It's very medieval, but mm-hmm. you can see bits of the 50s poking through. We've got new art director mm-hmm. on the scene. Um, how do you pronounce his name? Ivan, Ivan, Ivan Durrell, who does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, Even if he is difficult to work with. Yeah, he's clearly a micromanager, which <laughs> which like becomes positive in the end in this project because you end up with a very um, what's not wholesome connected piece. What's the word? Holistic. Yeah, everything fits. Uh, everything fits together. Yeah. Although I suppose like if you were to talk to if they were still alive, mm-hmm. a lot of the people that worked on it. Um, I mean, there are there's a couple that are still kicking, but the, like the the main of the nine old men that worked on it, they they, they picked their battles when it mm. came to talking to Mister Earl about, hey, can we do this? And he's like, no, it's mine. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Cause you gotta <laughs> imagine like you are one of like Disney's dudes. Like mm-hmm. you have built this studio, and Disney brings on this new guy who's young like younger than the other animators right Mm -hmm. like and he's in charge suddenly and he wants to do everything different we're using new film Mm -hmm. we're using new art techniques new style like that had to be frustrating yeah and it's like for your boss not to have your back after Mm -hmm. like everything you've done like Mm -hmm. god the product's just so good Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, and and yeah because because ivan earl he 
is an amazing like uh, art director. And his title officially, I believe, was color stylist. Mm. Um, however, he did a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Like he brought in a lot of influence for like the uh, gothic uh, medieval type artwork and like mm-hmm. making it look like that tapestry because that's what Walt wanted it to be and wanted like the visual development vision to follow through into the final piece. Um, whereas like with Mary Blair, like we get it sometimes, but not all the time, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because a lot of her artwork is amazing, and which is why we have fancy dresses and cute things that are uh, homage to her artwork. In, in, in this house, we stand Mary Blair. <laughs> yeah, we stand, we stand Mary Blair. That's uh, one of the podcast mottos. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. Yeah, and um, a lot of those uh, uh, lead animators like uh, Milt and uh, Mark Davis and all those guys while they themselves are very talented and Ivan Earl is very talented and everyone respected that talent, he really, really wanted to uh, have control mm-hmm. of a lot of things that maybe he quite shouldn't have had control of. Mm-hmm. But what was like, ah, no, it's fine, just do it. But whereas um, the animators were kind of like, hey, so this background is really busy and this character design, this color isn't working that you picked. Can I like change? No. And it's like, no, but really, can I? No, it's, I want it this way. And like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And that can't be easy to work under. <laughs> um, I suppose you pick your battles yeah. when it comes to that sort of thing. And they, they won some fights, but yeah. the major things, yeah. it's his vision. Well, you can see, like, I think probably the three good fairies are a good example of, like, they don't quite match the other characters mm-hmm. in the squared like they're very round where right. most people are like most of the characters move straight lines i guess hubert would be another exception to that mm-hmm. um but even his dress is much more medieval than theirs mm-hmm. which is pretty monochromatic um with a few accents mm-hmm. um whereas he's got the reds mm-hmm. the blues the golds the blacks um but it, i think like, it works for them because they kind of aren't humans they're like on another level right. so that was kind of fun to see them like they're more traditionally animated right for sure we want to Start at the top, I yeah, guess. Yeah, we have another storybook opening. Yeah, nice jeweled book cover. Very beautiful. Very fancy. Gorgeous. And we get that gothic art right away. Mm-hmm. Right, right away. It's an illuminated text. Yeah, so like we kind of, we've had picture books with um, other stories. Mm-hmm. I guess you could probably argue Snow White or Pinocchio had a illuminated text mm-hmm. look to them. But not, not mm-hmm. as hardcore as this. They're already pitching the art to us before mm-hmm. we even get into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is what you're gonna, we're setting you up for like what you're gonna be saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the song does the same thing. So we listen to alternate versions of the opening song, which were more traditional. Like Disney. More, more of their time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just didn't, 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 didn't do it. Didn't really do it. No. <laughs> 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 so instead we have a more medieval peasanty sounding song yeah thanks to um i can't remember his last name but i know his name is george who's the um composer for the film george yeah. Brr, Brr, uh, something so be... it's george thank you george. george thank you george you did it george for taking tchaikovsky and making mm-hmm. it work. I think Walt is like quoted as having said, like, people have been ripping off Tchaikovsky for years. We're going to do it, like, legitimately and make it art. <laughs> like, yeah, you did. You did that. And said it before. Probably shouldn't say it again. <laughs> but I am definitely a slut for the, uh, those early 20th century Russians. So <laughs> I'm here for it. 
love good Tchaikovsky. music. It's it's good music. Tchaikovsky. You could like Chase. You said you fall asleep to it. Like, yeah, I do. It's, it's a beautiful score. Mm-hmm. It is. And like you can just like just relax to it. Like I really love the score that plays when the fairies are kind of like doing their bits of business. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's very it's very good. Yeah. It's it's just like very memorable. It really is. Actually, so, like, that's the music that plays over the opening credits for a large portion of the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, because usually we see the opening credits doing concept art. Right. But they don't even try to throw it at us this time. They're like, nope, we know what art we did, mm-hmm. and we will show it to you mm-hmm. when we are good and ready. Mm-hmm. Like, enjoy these tapestries for a mm-hmm. minute. So that was a really interesting way to open the yeah. film. And we get into the introduction. We've got the king and the queen and the other king and the prince. the introduction of prince philip (laughs) um grimacing at the small baby that i'll have to marry one day and he's like "Mm." which is like a fun introduction for your hero right like these are like you're playing to an audience we talked a little bit about this um how the fairy tales were common stories of the time like Mm -hmm. for us we grew up on the disney versions of them right but for a lot of people they grew up on the story they read in school and so they know what's coming. They know this is the prince. This is the hero. He just doesn't mm-hmm. know it yet, um, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. It's also very, it's like a very human moment with like those subtle like character uh, acting yeah. moments where like, yes, a child will react to seeing a baby probably like that. Like, I yeah, I don't know about this little thing of flesh here that looks kind of funny. <laughs> like, what is that? Especially young boys. They're like, baby baby girl? Uh, No. Uh, It's gross. It's cooties. Girls have cooties. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Uh, And then the fairies enter. And I was wondering, they introduced them by, like, your excellency. What Mm -hmm. is exactly the political place of fairies in this kingdom? That's a real good question. Because in the deleted scene, Maleficent is introduced as a mistress. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, but Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether were also introduced as mistresses in the final thing. Mm. And their excellencies. Like, are they magical ambassadors? Oh, I thought it was for your excellencies, as in to the king and queen. Oh, maybe. Maybe I have the line wrong. Maybe. Or maybe they are calling the fairies the excellencies. Uh, the, the, the fairies were calling, uh... Stefan and the Queen Excellency, and okay. they, yes, they were, and right. they were introduced as Mistress Fauna, Mistress Flora, Mistress Mary. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. still wonder what the political stitch is. <laughs> yeah, like uh, to the point that like that it would be a thing if you didn't invite one of them. Right. Well, and it seems like no one expected Maleficent to get invited, right? She's yeah. Because like, it seemed like she wouldn't even care. Right. But it's kind of one of those things where like, where you like, you have friends that you invite to a party and you're like, eh, it'll be weird because they're friends with this person. They know this person. But if I don't invite them, then it might, yeah. it might offend them. I'm not sure what to do. I don't want to start drama. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to start drama. But, but they were like, ah, it'll be fine. And then they started drama. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the original story is that he didn't have enough plates for all the fairies. Mm-hmm. He only had a certain number of golden plates. Mm-hmm. And so one fairy wasn't invited because he couldn't serve mm-hmm. her appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she was offended. She wasn't invited. And so she cursed mm-hmm. the She baby. got salty from that. Yeah. Maleficent seems to just show up because, like, she just wants to show off. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm one powerful fairy. It's like I, I said while we were watching it. She's that uh, popular girl in high school that you don't want to piss off. Yeah. <laughs> she literally just, like, shows up to flex. She, like, enters in a hailstorm of fire and lightning 
and is like, oh, I wasn't invited. And then she kind of only is like, Meriwether, like, puts her up to it, like, like you're not wanted. Oh, how really? awkward. Oh, guess I'll, I guess I'll just go, huh? I guess I'll just go. Oh, but wait, before, before I go, oh, please, allow me. Yeah, let me curse this child. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> And so we were talking about uh, what signs the fairies are. Did we ever settle on something for Maleficent? No. She's a Scorpio, man. Like, is that bad to just cast a villain as a Scorpio? No. She'd make a good Leo. Pretty up in her own yeah. image, biz. Leo, Leo Venus, for sure. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With, like, a deep down insecurity, maybe? She's a Scorpio moon. Mm. There we go. Maybe that's why I like her, because I'm a Cancer, <laughs> and Cancers gravitate to Scorpios pretty well. My boyfriend's a can- uh, my boyfriend's a Scorpio. <laughs> water, water. There we go. That's probably what it is. But yeah, I, it's just Maleficent's really great and so good. So good. very intimidating. And I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I just want to say that I had for I had forgotten for a second until it came up in the film where she's basically just dangling freedom and teasing him prince philip oh my god oh my gloating scene it's it's very conniving and vindictive Mm -hmm. and i love it and her performance is just so Uh so perfect because it's like she's not she's not really physically torturing him Uh but Mm -hmm. she's trying to break him Mm -hmm. mentally and Mm -hmm. that is 10 times more powerful Mm mm-hmm yeah, I love her. <laughs> yeah. And actually, going back, I had a quick question about Flores. It's like, why why bless Aurora with beauty when she has the potential to grow up to look like her mom? Which, she happens to grow up to look just like her mom. Like, an excellent point. <laughs> like, what? Maybe, maybe, maybe she was afraid she would grow up to look like her dad. Oh, man. Aurora with big bushy eyebrows. I think Stefan is another. Stefan doesn't look all that bad either, though. No, but he he has. Yeah, but his face structure. He has the DNA of one of the other kinds of Don Bluth men. Like the Don si- Bluth did work on this. The side, the side, um, the this like the sidekick Don Bluth man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like actually, I don't know if he's in other one. Like other Tiger. Ones. Uh, I don't know. The problem is, is that most of my experience with Don Bluth is with his religious stuff, like the Bible and Book of Mormon story videos. <laughs> what you did those? <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, I need to introduce you to Living Scriptures after this, cause. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, you're blowing my mind. I didn't know he did any of those. <laughs> no, he did so many. Actually, today at church, the the library was given away like a bunch. They had a bunch of free like old books and stuff and like old videos. And I picked up a copy of um, the Don Bluth R- Richard Rich Studios um, animated Miracles of Jesus. Okay. It's on VHS, but still. <laughs> He, he didn't he didn't do that one like animated Mormon video about like the origins of it where yeah no he did all of them where is it the one where it talked about why uh black people are lesser because they were on the wrong side between the war against uh, Satan no, and God that, that, no oh my gosh no that, and that's why we're brown because we didn't pick a side we <laughs> oh, were on god, the wrong no. side oh god no because <laughs> I was like he didn't do no. that one did he uh, I didn't <laughs> it's a Buckwild video it's uh, really weird I am not aware of such a video no <laughs> no no he did the ones that you showed the kids like okay. the basic, <laughs> basic story like the basic sto- like all the good stories okay no <laughs> 
oh my god, that video exists? Yeah, it's an animated video on oh YouTube my, oh my about... God. Okay, we don't teach that anymore. About Mormons <laughs> and, like, they... Well, I mean, it's fun, it's fun to dunk on the Mormons, because we've got a bad past, but... Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty. And Don Blue. <laughs> Don Blue. Guys, we had one movie where we didn't have to talk about racism. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The special effects, visual effects stuff, practical effects for yeah. the um, gifts. Very beautiful. It, it looks like it could have been done with a computer. It really does. There are a lot of things in this movie that look like it's CG and it's not. Mm-hmm. And bless whoever had to in between that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, like the fairies' entrances, they're coming down in a shower mm-hmm. of sparkles and spotlight and the light is like moving and mm-hmm. like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. crazy. The door that opens to the cottage, <gasps> like it comes It swings in. so perfectly. With all the details on the like engravings, the whole cottage. I have a note that just, I think, says the cottage and it's under, oh, the cottage details, underlined twice. Mm-hmm. Like the engravings on all of the walls, it really reminded me of Rapunzel mm-hmm. and how they had yeah. her paint all of her walls. Mm-hmm. <sighs> oh. And um, those paintings were done th- by Glenn Keane's daughter. What do you think Meriwether would have given her if Maleficent hadn't shown up or if she had been invited? I feel like Meriwether would give her something practical. Yeah. Like, like I don't know, like knowledge With or wisdom. like wisdom. Yeah, yeah, it probably would have been wisdom. Like, like good, like common sense to yeah, like be aware of things. Meriwether's not a common sense person. Like she she's is. Practical, she, well, like no, she's, she's com- emotional. She's yeah. common sense compared to flora and fauna. I would argue that flora is the ethos because she's like the leader mm-hmm. but she's still so dumb <laughs> <laughs> well because i would also argue that fauna is the logos who tries to like manage and make the smart decisions between the two things between emotion and between but fauna. she's so dumb too yeah, yeah they're all dumb <laughs> except mary weather just ready to throw down it, feel, it feels like flora tries to approach things um logically but also while trying to be cordial about it and not necessarily um like flora or fauna uh flora okay yeah she tries to approach things from in like a cordial cordial manner where she's mm-hmm. like kind of um organized and taking charge with mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. and is and tries to do things in like a nice way in a way mm-hmm. whereas uh fauna to me is just all like oh lollipops and, um, and roses yeah that's fair and that's then fair. and then Meriwether's just like I don't need to think about it it's fine just do it yeah. just do it and, yeah. and Flora's like hold on let's would, yeah. think that about it that makes her reluctant to say wisdom would be her gift yeah. if yeah. she's an impulsive decision maker right maybe her gift would be like will to throw down like ability to throw down at any given moment <laughs> you, you want to go Prince, <laughs> Prince Philip Philip rolls up on Aurora and he's like, hey, what's the punishment? She's like, get back up. I don't know you. You, you ready to go? 1v1 or in maybe, the pit. Maybe the way to, maybe the fairy tale way to put it would have been um, cunning. Shrewdness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah, that, that, that would, that makes That'd sense. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slytherin Aurora. Ooh, um, I argue she is, I, I have her as a Slytherin in my full Disney cast sorting. Of course you of course you have one of those. Of course I have one of those. Um, her eyebrows make her look like a Slytherin. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> she's like she's a princess. Mm-hmm. She's a little bit like not haughty, but like she has that stately grace mm-hmm. and she has the eyebrows and the cheekbones. And it could kind of come across as like 
condescending even if she doesn't really mean it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And sh- Gryffindor boyfriend, like, a uh, perfect powerhouse couple. <laughs> <laughs> but what's Aurora's sign? Capricorn? Maybe. She could be a Capricorn. I was thinking Capricorn, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds about right. Prince Philip is a Leo. Mm-hmm. It's, tw- it's the, the 14th century. No, I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> this the is the 14th century. century. <laughs> it's like on my Prince Philip Twitter for like location, 14th century. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What are the domestic and international implications of destroying all of your spinning wheels? You have yeah. no ability pr- to produce thread or fabric. You have to import all your textiles. You have to import everything maybe that's why king stefan is trying to wait no that wouldn't make sense because they were betrothed beforehand Mm -hmm. i was gonna say oh yes and then that's why he's trying to get uh hubert in there because hubert's got spinning wheels and money but then that was that wouldn't make sense because they were betrothed before no but maybe it's part of the deal like okay so you're betrothed um that means that you now supply all of our textiles oh yeah there we go there we go because yeah. uh we're getting rid of that i mean yeah. hubert literally he's like he's he's like yeah we're gonna get them like a cottage and <laughs> stefan's like oh you're building castle. it a castle a, a castle he's like you're building it. he's like it's built already he just <laughs> he's just throwing out uh one well, and, and he's got kind of like a venetian uh, yeah. Prince look to him. The poofs. Yeah, the, the poofs and, the, and like the and like the boat neck necklace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where Stefan's more of like your traditional Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. medieval king. He mm-hmm. got that money. He got he it. Does. And he's got the fat to show it. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, his where belly. Where did his son come from? <laughs> like, I need to know what Philip's mom looks like. Probably like Philip. Probably. I guess. actually, you know, I just give Philip a little longer hair mm-hmm. and there you go. soften the jaw. Soften the jaw a little bit, not too much, a little bit. Bring in the shoulders a bit, and that's what his mom looks like. <laughs> Isn't this the film where if you complain about what you're animating, they're like, "Okay, great, go work on the prince's scenes." <laughs> No one wanted to work on the prince. Yeah. Uh, who was it? It was uh, Milk Call got assigned to Prince Philip and the horse whose name I can't remember. Samson. Samson. Jeez. Why did I can't believe I forgot Samson's name? I was going to say Max. And I'm like, that is not the same horse. That is a nope. different horse. That is the horse entangled. Um, yeah. Milk didn't want to do it. He was like, I'm not really feeling this prince. This, this, is, this is too much. But no, not that it was too much. It was because like he and Mark Davis were like really good draftsmen and they were like really good. I mean, if you look up their portfolio of work, you should check out Living Lines Library. It's got a lot of good archives of pencil tests from different Mm. animated films. Check it out. You can just see like how good everything they did did was. And because they were so good, they got the hard ones. And Mm. typically that meant also kind of boring characters because the princes are a little... They're not all, they're not as animated. This is our first prince with personality. Yeah. Um, like, it's also, we're still in a time where we're figuring out how to make our attractive, mm-hmm. but not too feminine prince. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, like, they, yeah, they don't figure it out till Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a bunch of anthropomorphic films for a while while they're still figuring out how to drop it. Ah, you know what? Not true. Roger, which is next, right? I think it's our next feature. I think so. Roger, peak male drawing until we get to Naveen. But Roger's up there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Roger was also, um, I believe Roger was Milt as well, Ooh. actually. Nice. Um, if I'm wrong, feel free to correct me, but I'm 
80% sure that Roger was a milk call as well. And I'm sure that was a bit of freedom to mm-hmm. do someone who was a little bit more like yeah. lively and could move around and like express. Yeah. Because it's the same way with uh, Mark Davis having to animate Mal- uh, Maleficent and Rora. Very like regal, like eat like in different ways of course but like kind of they, they themselves were not that they were stiff but they couldn't be as bouncy and wild and crazy but then you have um he transitioned over and did uh Cruella DeVille and she's just everywhere mm-hmm. so that's just freedom to animate you know yeah and like so this like we talk about this film is art right mm-hmm. and like it's stately with animation one of the things i love about it is that you get to over exaggerate expression mm-hmm. and this film does something totally different where they're like no no no, no. we're gonna do animation as if it were a painting mm-hmm. where we're gonna do a bunch of detail instead of over exaggerating mm-hmm. you gotta imagine like the restrictions that you must feel, like you were talking about, but I think that just showcases their talent. Even it does more their flexibility. That, like these characters still stick with us, even mm-hmm. though they're not over exaggerated or flamboyant or um, high motion in the same way that Cruella and Roger are. They still like stick with us in this powerful way. Mm-hmm. Let's be fair; a lot of it is their costuming. Yeah, um, the red cape. And the big flame dress. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, so good. Mm-hmm. But then, like, cheekbones. Cheekbones everywhere. Cheekbones for days. Voice acting, too. Like, Oh, yeah. With, oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. What, Everyone's What was her name? Eleanor? Mm-hmm. I'm, I always I forget last that. names. We should have it written down, because we've had her before, and we just didn't. But Lady Tremaine mm-hmm. is back. There was, at one point, I was like, wait, is she the original Madame Leota? Mm. And we'll we'll look. My phone's dead, or else I would have oh, looked yeah, it up. That's right. She sounds like it. it yeah. She does. Yeah. I'm like thinking like Madame Leota's face kind of looks like that too. She has yeah. that high eyebrow, high cheekbone mm-hmm. look to her. Mm-hmm. And this would have been well. When Disneyland did Haunted Mansion five? Did he? Haunted Mansion was not an original mm-hmm. ride. No. Okay. Haunted Mansion, I want to say, was mid sixties. Sixties. That would have been my guess. Yeah. So it's possible that mm-hmm. Maleficent is Madame Leota. Yeah. We're just having fun with our tangents tonight. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what it's all about. People love them tangents. They just want, they want to hear the rawness, the, <laughs> how we really feel. No script. <laughs> Throw the script out. I mean, I have five pages of notes. We don't have to cover everything. I have everything. two notes left after this. <laughs> oh, my God. Was, I was like, it was hard for me to watch the movie because I was just like writing so many things. Ugh. Well, I'd like to talk about um, a little more like the production side of things. Yeah, and how, do it, do it, do it. No. And how like it's just really amazing how this is the first time we're seeing an animated feature on 70 millimeter and mm-hmm. uh, using uh technorama and in like full-on technicolor as well because that had never been done before and while it was really cool i want to kind of put it into perspective because i know not everybody knows what 70 millimeter would look like or what technorama is uh think of like going from four by three which is what we used to have like on crtvs to like what to 16 by nine tv would look like yeah like what it would be in like the now. 90s and then going to widescreen yeah, basically, for any listeners that may not know, but if you're listening... Like, I don't know if people know what 4x3 means. Oh, <laughs> that, that breaks it down even better. 4x3 yeah, is about your TV. My bad. It's good. 16 by 9 is widescreen. Yeah, everything is widescreen, and using a widescreen, it, like, takes... It takes advantage of, like, showing way more on the frame. You can uh, see more visually, and... Um, 
also it's kind of a bit of a give and take when you're animating with it, at least back then. Nowadays, when you're animating digitally, you can just set your field and your field is basically like what we were talking about before between like your standard widescreen or like your regular like old TV that you would have that was like standard definition. And you can automatically animate in that and like keep moving your scenes forward. It's digital and like you don't have to worry about like erasing and things like that and like getting new paper. But back then, you had to draw all of that on very large sheets of paper on your light box. And that is very difficult drawing small characters on huge sheets of paper in order to make sure it fits on your 70 millimeters or what your widescreen. And that caused a bit of uh, trouble for the animators who are like, you know, actually doing the stuff. Like, we can look at it and be like, oh, this is so beautiful. This is so amazing. But for those that are actually, like, you know, down there in the trenches working, that was a hurdle that they had to get over. I mean, and they did it, and they were really damn good at it. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it was a new process, and it was very revolutionary. And it's just amazing what was accomplished because of it. Because those backgrounds, you can just see everything so clearly. They made really amazing usage of the multiplane camera, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys talked about before with Bambi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really amazing. And um, they also used the multiplane camera in, what was it, the barn one, right? That Old short mill. Old Mill. There we go. Yeah. And um, you can look at the scene when, where uh, Palace for the first time, or the Great Hall, whatever that area is called, where King Stefan is with the Queen and everybody's mm-hmm. together. And you see all the tapestries hanging from the ceiling. That is several layers on mm-hmm. top. It is not one layer. Mm-hmm. It's several layers and a camera moving in closer in order to get that shot. Or when we see the cottage for the first time, that is several layers going in and pulling back. And it is so beautiful to see. Sorry, no, I didn't mean to get all great. caught up in it. It's absolutely stunning. That's and what we're here for. Yeah, you brought up Bambi. One of the things, like, when I was thinking while watching this was comparing it to Bambi. Because mm-hmm. Bambi was, we talked about how it was the first one used oil painting. Yes. And adding On that element of style mm-hmm. to the film. And that's kind of how I felt, especially when we got into the forest and the detail in trees. I was like, oh, this is the same mm-hmm. feeling I had when we watched Bambi. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this is different. Yeah. This is new. But they absolutely made use of the widescreen that you're talking about. Like, so many backgrounds, so many uh, wide shots. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were like, okay, we've got this big area. We are going to use it, mm-hmm. and we are going to show it to you, and we are not going to pull any punches. Gorgeous. And also, like, props to the ink and paint team. Like, the women that were in the ink and paint department, mm-hmm. they deserve all the props in the world because... Mm-hmm. They brought the color. They put the cells on there. They, they're they amazing. Ink and paint women, you are wonderful. You <laughs> really are. Anything else do we have to say about the fairies or anything before we get to Once Upon a Dream? Um, I would say Maleficent's introduction is good. We talked about villain introductions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and her introduction is phenomenal. Literally like a bolt of lightning and it's fire. So mm-hmm. like. It's just an entrance of power. I, I have Maleficent exudes power, which is a later note, but it literally sets out. you up like, okay, this is what we're dealing with. Like, yeah. oh, all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like it gives you her motivation so clearly. Like, no, she's just powerful, and she uses it. Mm-hmm. That's her entire character motivation, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like, it's really, I, God, it's some good story work. Because it's just uh, very like self-contained. Like, there's not a billion different threads going all yeah. over the place. And you don't need them. You don't need them weird maleficent doesn't need a tragic backstory she's just 
powerful. You're and it's great. <coughs> I also have underline sass in class. Because she's going to be like, oh, everyone's here. Like, the nobility, the gentry, even the rabble. Like, oh, sharp digs at the fairies. Mm-hmm. Meriwether just shakes. She's like, Ugh. I love her little lord. I love her. <laughs> she's so good. Oh, oh, and then her staff clapping on the floor yes. is the same as the dragon noise, and it's just such good foreshadowing. It's so good. Uh, uh, I can talk about story setup in this. I don't mean to talk day. about anime, but it reminds me of like the heel clack that Satsuki has in Kill la Kill. If anybody listening knows what that is, I haven't seen Kill la Kill. It's on my list. It's, it's just right, far it's down right. on the list. You have to approach it a certain way. I think the only thing I want to touch on before we move on, um, and I lied, there's two things I want to talk on, talk about before we move on. One is that Meriwether's the one who sort of instigates against Maleficent. Yeah. Mm. She's also the one who then, like, fixes it, and it's her voice that's telling Aurora not to touch the spinning wheel, which yeah. I just think is a really cool thread really for her character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is, like, true love conquers all. It's mm-hmm. a very important theme to me. Even if you meet him, like, a couple hours early. It's true love. It's fine. <laughs> we can talk about the once upon a dream scene right now. She knew it was true love because he sang, and that's so important. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm about to get sassy and salty about another Disney film, but when you sing, you're bearing your soul, and it's honest, and you can't lie when you're singing. That's how fairy tales work. <laughs> it's an important trope. Oh, man. <laughs> what, what backstory am I missing here? <laughs> um, a specific love song that is a lie, and I'm bitter about it to this day. She's real into Hans. Love, love is an Hans. open door. <laughs> you can't lie when you're singing. Um, it's a great, I have my, my own place. He's talking about his place, and she's like, I see you, but he's like, I see a place. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. I love Once Upon a Dream. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's a good song. Very much. And I have some high school memories associated with it. Ooh. Tell us. So when I was a teenager, we spent, our church youth group, we spent uh, about six months of our Wednesday night youth activities learning a dance for a performance that we did with a bunch of other youth groups in the area. We went out to the University of Redlands and used their football stadium to perform this and there were a bunch of groups and um, the dance that my group, it was like 16 and 17, it was the 16, 17 year olds. We, it was a Disney medley and we did ballroom dance and it started with a waltz to Once Upon a Dream. Aww. And it also had Beauty and the Beast, Colors of the Wind, um, things like that. And like I said, we worked so hard to learn the dance and we had so much fun and our costumes were kind of silly, but I liked it. <laughs> And um, and we, if we spun just right, then we'd have um, you know it 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 flowed out really nice. Aww. And I'm not a great dancer, but if, if it's like ballroom or swing, I can follow. Mm. And that's I'm not bad at that. Nice, <laughs> very good memory. But yeah, it starts with Once Upon a Dream, and I'm like oh, and I, I keep counting it in my head, and I'm like I'm like Aww. oh, we're dancing with my friends. Nice, <laughs> I can follow problem is i always end up cosplaying a disney prince mm-hmm. and so i have to leave and you're tall and i'm 
I'm not that. I'm actually as tall as my princess, and she's always the one who has to like show me the steps and lead me through it, and we do it like seven times <laughs> before we film it. That's not great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but we did do Prince Philip and Aurora mm-hmm. a few times, mm-hmm. which I'll have to post pictures of that. Mm-hmm. So this is where we officially meet Aurora then, yeah, um, as Briar Rose, but mm-hmm. like in her full, yeah, and her mm-hmm. character design's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's inspired by Audrey Hepburn, right? That's kind of um, the basis for her design. That tiny waist and high cheekbones. The story goes that the design for Aurora kind of came from a mix of Mary Costa herself mm. and the woman whose name is, I'm blanking on, I'm so bad with names, Helena or Helene, um, who was the live action actress mm. for her, for the okay. footage, for okay. reference. Oh, Although so I have Mary Costa didn't do it. Yeah, that wasn't Mary Costa that okay. was doing the dancing. That was a different woman. Okay. And, like, uh, apparently Mark Davis kind of, I guess, like, did a blend of it. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, as he was, like, refining her and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I have not heard odd the Audrey Hepburn thing, but, I mean, he probably looked at her, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, she's, like... It's the, it's the late 50s. She's yeah. She's a hot new thing. I, yeah. I'm ba- definitely probably looked at her for that. And uh, Mark Davis's wife, uh, Al- Alice Davis, actually designed or- um, Aurora's, like, peasant dress. Because mm. she was a fashion designer. Nice. So that's why it's got, like, elements mm-hmm. of, like modern fashion yeah for the time but also it's very and the fabric moves just the way that <sighs> it would in real life mm-hmm. yes it moves just the way it would in real life the way fabric moves in this whole film i have like three notes about it it's just phenomenal but the fabric is designed to move dynamically so like mm-hmm. i will say someone who works with fabric mm-hmm. like peasant dresses would not have moved that way or draped that way mm-hmm. the costume designer who was doing the costuming for the live footage had the character designs and yeah. she had to specifically make choices mm-hmm. and cut patterns to do the animation things they wanted, mm-hmm. which I think is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, like as a costume designer, like one of the things I love doing, right, is taking a costume that's not real and bringing it to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just like blows my mind that you're doing that with the intent purpose of making it animate. So cool. Like, I'm lucky if it looks good in a photo. <laughs> um, it's just an amazing, like, collaborative process. Yeah. Like, so many moving pieces. Like, mm-hmm. before you even get to, like, the full-on animating, like, final piece. Like, you have to work with people who are doing costume, work with people who are doing live-action footage, work with the animator, work with the character designer. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a team effort just to get this darn thing done. And it's yeah. a really great mm-hmm. feeling. And, like, the fact that this film, like, looks as good as it does is... It like, still holds up. Yeah, it does. It is tw- It is 2018, the year of our Lord and Savior, 2018. This film's coming up on its 70-year anniversary. Ooh, 70? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Next year, yeah. Next year. Dang. Next year's 70 years. Ooh. Right? Oof. Yeah. No, it's going to be 60. Well, I mean, that's probably... No, but plus it's... 50 is 09. Plus ten is well. That's probably accurate because uh, Floyd Floyd Norman. Yeah, he's in his eighties. Disneyland just Disneyland just had their sixtieth. Yeah, and this movie came out four years after Disneyland, so it'll be the sixtieth. Dang, why do I have a diamond edition if the sixtieth hasn't come out? They were getting ready. Yes, (laughs) because they wanted to make it seem extra special. Yeah, there you go. And everyone's over platinum. That's fair. I was just gonna say, oh, well, we'll get the platinum after diamond. Yeah, I have the diamond edition for Beauty and the Beast. That doesn't make any sense. That's nowhere near sixty. Yeah. Well, 
Didn't the Diamond Edition come out like a while ago? Because I had the Diamond Edition, I think, on VHS, right? No. Diamond Editions are DVD. Then what was that one? Oh, I think it was just regular special edition. They had like, they had classic editions and they had Mm -hmm. like classic collections and stuff. There was some other edition that came out that was like a jewel or maybe a jewel. I don't know. On VHS, and I had Beauty and the Beast at one point because it had the "We'll Be We'll Be Human Again" segment mm, on it. So I wonder. So I, didn't, I didn't get that till I got it on DVD. Yeah, I don't like that segment. I don't either. <laughs> I'm sure it's great on Broadway, but I don't like it. Sure. Animated. Yeah. No, no. You can do things on Broadway that are not great for a movie. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about Beauty and the Beast. No, we're not. Not yet. <laughs> Bell, we'll not see you yet. later, Bell. Um, later. Yeah. Oh, I love that he has a line. Prince Philip um, has a line about her voice. So like, it's probably like just a wood sprite. So like, apparently like dryads exist in this universe, and Prince Philip has like come into contact with them or has an awareness of them. And he said the banshee, I think too. And he's gonna go, and he's just gonna go for it just in case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, he's punk, he's punk rock. He is. He's hard. Uh, <sighs> it also made me think like, oh, actually, like yeah, her voice is very light. Because mm-hmm. it's given to her by a fairy. And I was like, oh, that's mm. kind of a cool connection. Yeah. I love Prince Philip, guys. He mm-hmm. is the best out of the OG3. Like, he's the best. I mean, that's not even a competition, though. He has a name and a personality. Like, that's it's the bar's on the floor. <laughs> the bar is so low. <laughs> he just had that's to, fair. like, step over it. But he didn't just step over it. Like, he leaped over it with his horse. Like I'd, I'd I'd hang out with Prince Philip. I would too. I would totally have a beer with Prince should, Philip. Should we should we go over the thing about Pr- Prince Philip that we were discussing while we were watching it? I mean, we probably should. He's a little bit of a creep at first. Oh, I thought, no, that's not what we, I thought we were, were ta- talking about. I thought we were talking about <laughs> Prince sorry. Philip and, Rob- and Robin Hood. Oh, okay. No YouTube pairing exists for them. Dang. I didn't look on AO3. Which means that Chase is going to write it herself. I didn't look on AO3 yet. <laughs> it's probably there. Chase is probably gonna end up writing it herself we'll see i've got a lot to write i have a whole harry potter at you to write mm-hmm. prince philip and robin hood would be into each other for sure they'd at least be bros for yeah. sure like they've got that same winning smile and need to be a hero <laughs> philip's like you digging on maid Miriam? and he's like yeah but i'm just stressed out man he's like just just go for it. it's gonna be okay <laughs> or you know i'm i'm not seeing anybody robin was like what and he's like nothing <laughs> You want to go for a beer? Like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I will say, it seems like if Robin Hood can't sing, that might be a deal breaker for Prince Philip. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, I need somebody to finish my duet. Yeah. That was a reference. That, yeah. I, hope, I hope you got uh-huh. that, listening. Hope you got that. <laughs> I've been dreaming of us. <laughs> we had um, an original plan when we started this podcast that we would close every episode with us, like, karaoke singing one of the songs and like as like, much as we could legally put in but the answer is you there's not a legal thing <laughs> so i'm like loving this episode because it's just like copyright song copyright song mm-hmm. copyright Oops, song. sorry <laughs> no uh, wait a minute i do that a lot we sometimes do. sing <laughs> no it's great i love it <laughs> yeah yeah he's a little bit of a creeper though he is a little bit to be like uh, he I guess it's the moment when he's like grabbing her hand. He does it three times, and I was like, "No, you should have done it once." And she pulled away. Then you wait, but he did it three times. I was like, "Why? Why do you break my heart?" 
Like, I love the zoom in on her face when he starts singing. She's just like, who is this man? <laughs> Too bad she didn't get Meriwether's throwdown gift or she would have judo flipped him right there. <laughs> oh, my God. I would just love to just see her suplex him. Like, <laughs> I was... It could have been the same story. Just would have been funnier. Like, if there is no art of that, I'm going to draw that. You should. <laughs> I just want to see her. Even if there is art of it, you should draw it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, he he should have uh, not pulled on her three times. Yeah. I'm like, eh, you, you. She said no. Just leave leave her. Just yeah. Talk to her this time. Just, just, yeah. you can be charming without touching. Yeah. And he, he does, like, back off. Like, he's, like... Standing behind the tree, he's letting her kind of hide mm-hmm. as he's singing. Mm-hmm. And it's the singing that she, like, is like, oh, okay, he's fine. Because it's like revelation of truth, which is why the birds talk to her when she sings. Mm-hmm. And again, you only have animal friends if you don't have real friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I think it could be fixed, though. Yeah, like, if he didn't, if yeah. he just left, left her alone yeah. the first time. Like, that's really all you can do to fix it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We like we talked about that with um Prince and Snow White. Mm-hmm. He like freaks her out. He like he hops her wall <laughs> into her castle and starts singing at her. She runs inside. Well his so... song, you know what? I'm not gonna sing. <laughs> um <laughs> his one song. <laughs> but up but but up but um, but he like lets her be and just sort of like sings and like sends a bird up and it's really cute. Mm-hmm. And Prince Philip's a little more ambitious. <laughs> well, he's like what? Philip's like what? Twenty something probably or nineteen? Nineteen to twenty. And Prince Prince is like sixteen. Um, well, Snow White's like thirteen. Yeah, I'm gonna. So. I'm, I'm just saying sixteen <laughs> because that makes it better. And I hope yeah. and I hope he's not like twenty uh, something. I how old is Cinderella? I know we're not talking about that, but I'm just no, curious. Cinderella is 16, I, isn't she? I thought it was 19. She's 19. Oh. Oh, she's. But I don't know. Are any of these things real? Milo and Keita have the biggest age gap. I thought that was. I thought that. Well, oh, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Keita, like. Yeah. That should be like. That should be like hundreds, thousands of euros. Yes. We're looking good. <laughs> well, and then after them, it's uh, Rapunzel. Yes. Flynn. Yes. Flynn is in his 30s. And her I thought he was like 26. What? I thought he was no. 26. Oh, is he 26? I read 26. Oh, you're probably right. You're probably right. Because this movie was made in 2013, 12. It was so. when I was in college. Well, I was in college too, but I was also in college in 2012 and 2013. <laughs> okay, me too. <laughs> and Tiana and Naveen, they're around the same age, I'm assuming. Because Tiana's 19. Uh, they're a year or two apart, if anything. Know. Yeah. We don't yeah. know. He minces. He's fine. <laughs> he, he learned a life skill. Yeah. Prince Philip has a life skill. It's called kicking ass. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the only skill required to charm Miss Chase. It's true. <laughs> he, walked, he walked into that cottage, was like, I'm going for it, Samson. I got this. They are gonna love me. I'm gonna straighten out my hat. I'm gonna meet her parents, maybe. It's gonna be good. We gonna have some birthday cake. Oh man, I'm getting jumped. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm going to break all of y'all. <laughs> he does a good job for a while, but yeah. it's like 20 on one. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, dang, it's Maleficent. And she's like, oh, dang, it's Philip. I wish that was the real dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> uh, 
<sighs> Skipping back to while they're yeah. while they're falling in love, the fairies are trying to put together a birthday mm-hmm. party, and it becomes very clear that all four of them would have died without Meriwether. Yeah. yeah. Because you think about it, it's like, if they don't know how to cook and do all this stuff, it's like, how are they surviving? Oh, Meriwether, she probably did everything. Okay, so you guys haven't seen Maleficent, but it is a plot point in Maleficent that the three fairies cannot care for Aurora, and Maleficent is actually the one who, like, saves Aurora multiple times. From her own curse? Just from dying. Like, literally, she saves the baby from walking off a cliff at one point because the fairies are doing something else. I, I'm not gonna tell Who you. Who signed off on that <laughs> script? It's relevant. Like, there's other stuff in the film that's changed, and mm-hmm. well, but, I, I thought that people praised it though because it's very. What is what is that phrase where like you go through? You can have women in the room, and they they're not talking about men. It's very Bechdel. Bechdel test. Yeah, the, uh, it passes the Bechdel test. That's what I thought. It might. And, and there's there's great things in Maleficent, and I think that like, and, like but the, it just. And, like, the whole issue with how, like, it does a good job of, like, depicting um, like sexual trauma. violence and yeah, trauma yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, Could you have picked any other villain, please? Like, yeah. Uh, and I just, there's other changes I don't like in the film that I'm not going to go into because we're not here for that. But I'm thinking Meriwether should have a movie and it could have been the same plot. That would have been interesting. Would have she's been- clearly the competent fairy. Mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty 2, Meriwether Strikes Back. Yes. <laughs> yes. The revengeance. Well, and so, like, they're all supposed to have, like, control over their domain. Meriwether literally controls the weather. Like, that's supposed to be her magic. Like, mm. that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Well, then um, I wonder if that, if it, then, like, you were saying how, like, Meriwether kind of carries the whole thing with Aurora. Like, she kind of instigated with Maleficent. She had to fix it. Mm-hmm. It's her voice. I wonder if, like, with her kind of controlling the weather and whatnot, I wonder if that was, like, done on purpose because maybe she's actually more powerful and like even though she might actually be the more powerful one out of the three just because uh flora's leader doesn't necessarily mean she has the most power right yeah i think meriwether is the most powerful yeah yeah she's the only one who has to counter maleficent's curse Mm -hmm. um although we see flora well that's not true flora counters the goblin attacks not Mm -hmm. they're not called goblins i don't know what they're called are they just called henchmen i I don't call them henchmen they're gerblins (laughs) i don't know what is what is the kingdom hearts dossier say i think there's goons that works i like the yeah, goons yeah. goons is good they're not that hard to beat in kingdom hearts no they're too it's very easy. easy it's obnoxious it's like two hits bye you know where where is my um sleeping beauty three um Aqua steals Aurora away from Philip. Hey man, I would watch the heck out of that movie. Aurora's like, I'm not straight. <laughs> Who's this beautiful blue-haired woman? Oh, in armor. Mmm. Dashing. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Who really saved me from the dragon? That one? Great. <laughs> I love Aqua. I would die for Aqua. Hey guys, Kingdom Hearts is a good game. You Dude. should play Birth You should by play. Sleep. Play Birth by Sleep. I'll have <laughs> Watch a birth basically playthrough. There you okay. go. So the fairies are planning a party. <laughs> um, back on topic. Yes. Um, so from what I know of the scene, it was written simply to like entice women audience. Really? Audience members. Yeah. And so they like did a test run of it with women who were like in the studio or like audience preview. Um, and they like loved it. 
And you know, like, this is 59. This is like when women are staying home and baking and mending. And it's just so funny to see these women who have yeah. no clue what they're doing. <laughs> right. And have supposedly been doing it for 16 years. Yeah. Ugh. I can see how that's appealing to yeah. the lady crowd back then. Yeah, which like, so we've like come into a couple points where we're like, oh, this seems like an inside joke that women would know. Mm-hmm. Right. But you don't really have women animators. So mm-hmm. I wonder where it came from or like yeah. how mm. it entered the storyline. It went so to the is, sauce. Yeah, this is one of those moments where I'm like, ah, you found something that you knew would be funny to women, tested it. And yeah, it was funny. Well, that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even if you have less women that are uh, staying at home now these mm-hmm. days, it's still pretty funny. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like I mean, a, 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 a normal human probably wouldn't fold eggs that way. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, everyone needs to know how to cook. Yeah. yeah. Maybe don't frost and candle your cake before you bake it. Yeah. I never realized that she didn't bake the cake. <laughs> Did they? I hope they didn't eat that. No, she. They get rid of it. Okay. She makes her new one with her magic. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, the mat. Oh, yeah. I thought you meant the new magic no, one. No, 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 no. It's made with magic. It's fine. But like she's putting it up in the room. Like, oh, it'll be much stiffer after it's baked. I'm like, oh, y- yeah. Why are you putting candles on it? You haven't even put it in the oven. <sighs> And Meriwether is the only competent one. You know, tisp is teaspoon. What are you doing cutting a hole in the fabric? That's not how that works. Meriwether during the entire sequence is just a big mood. Yeah. Meriwether, this whole film, is a big mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to turn her into a fat old hop toad. <laughs> Never make me happy. Yeah. What a line. So good. And I love that it's Lady. <laughs> yeah, it's so Lady's so refined and quiet. And it's, then Mary was like, <laughs> And it's the same voice actress, and she's so good. She's fantastic. We also talk about how Prince Philip is a mood, millennial mood. Mm-hmm. He is. <laughs> and he comes and he's like, hey, Dad, I've met somebody I'm going to marry. It's not who you want me to marry. Okay, bye. <laughs> and he's just speaking in, like, riddles, and it's like, can you, can you not? Yeah. And he's like, ah, I'm going to keep saying it. It's the 14th century. Like, you live in the past, Dad. I Come on. I'm a dream. Yeah, his dad is just like baby boomer who's like, I don't get what you whippersnappers are into. And he's like, ah, don't worry about it, Dad. You're old. I just love when like his dad's like, no, you're going to do what I want. And Philip's like, and marry the girl I love, right? Exactly. All right, great. Bye, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's not what I meant. Like, yeah, marry the girl I love. And he's like, wait, wh- what? No. It's <laughs> like, bye. <sighs> God, I love Philip. I love him so much. Like I said, I would hang out with that guy. Mm-hmm. I invite him over for video games. Would he be in the video games? I think he would find FIFA. them boring. He'd be in the FIFA, maybe. 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 Like, I just feel like he'd be like, I mean, like, I killed a dragon. You want me to just sit here and pretend to kill a dragon? <laughs> this is dull. Let's go kill a dragon for real. <laughs> I'd be like, dude, dude, that's too much energy for me right now. I'm just trying to sit here and have some tea. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's a very, very go-getter kind of guy, and Aurora, like, if you go with more, like, uh, how she's portrayed in media, she's, like, sleepy, slow, it must be an interesting pair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is interesting, I wonder how Wreck-It Ralph is going to portray her. Uh, she's already, like, sleeping on someone's shoulder in one of the trailers. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it, so... Mm-hmm. 
I've I've only seen like little bits and pieces of those trailers, and I'm like, I still don't know what this movie is about. <laughs> but I'll find out when I see it. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Next week. Well, actually, by the time this episode comes out, it will have come out. But y'all won't be talking about that for a while. No, that's <laughs> a long way down. Mm-hmm. Way down. It's now at the bottom of the list, actually. Um, what else we want to talk about? We talk about lighting. Friggin' love the lighting. Um, we could talk about Aurora's bed and the details on the tapestries mm-hmm. and the covers. Hey, hey, the pink dress sucks. <laughs> you hear me, Disney Consumer Products? DCP, are you listening? Stop putting her in the pink dress. Cinderella is silver. Thanks. Aurora is blue. Mm-hmm. There you go. Do it, cowards. <laughs> No, it's perfect. No. I don't like the pink dress. I don't like it either. It's such a bad choice. And like the one that they have now, it's a slightly different pink. It doesn't make it much better. No. Because doesn't. her hair is still bright yellow and mm-hmm. that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've like they've kind of even made her hair a little more auburn in mm-hmm. some of the art. Well, because they've made Cinderella's more yellow and it's really more like auburn. It. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, because Cinderella's hair it's more like a like a orangish. It's like auburn auburn yeah. dark blonde. Like it's not blonde blonde. But that's what all the art is doing, and that's what the I think the face characters are doing that too in the parks. Mm-hmm. I'm going to share a story. I was at Disneyland for Dapper Day this past Dapper Day, and Aurora was right there, and I was very excited because I haven't met any other princesses besides Tiana, mm. and um, like I've seen the princesses, but I haven't had time to like go talk to them because I've been like in the in a rush to go go to a ride because my fast pass or something. And then she was right there, and I'm like, <gasps> and then she's like, dear friend, would you like to walk with me? And I'm like, yeah. I've never walked with a character before, so I almost cried, and it was really sweet. Mm, that's she, so cool. And she was like, oh, I gotta go find my three good fairies. If you've seen them, please let me know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I will. And I told her that I loved her dress. And I was like, that's a lie. Why are you wearing the pink one? Please, please wear the blue one. And she's like, well, thank you. Your dress is very beautiful as well. You look very dapper. Is not is that the correct word? And I'm like, how do you know what that is? <laughs> I didn't say it. I thought in my head, I was like, why do you know what that word is? You're taking me out of this right now. Yeah. But you're doing a good job, though, still. You're, you're a very beautiful person. I was like, bye. And she's like, bye. And then I turned to my boyfriend. I'm like I didn't like that dress <laughs> and then he was like why and I'm like cause it's not that blue one <laughs> but it was very nice and it's on video somewhere on my roommate's phone nice <laughs> nice well in my notes we're up to Maleficent gloating at Philip yes that's in my notes too like yeah, I, I ba- ha- let's go back to that can we talk about that more it's it's very sad it's it she's, it- she's a real she's a real <laughs> bat in that moment yeah. Donald Duck, quack, I guess. We'll do that. Um, so this establishes three makes a pattern. This is our third character in a princess movie talking about like, oh, you think it's going to happen like a fairy tale, don't mm. you? Because it happened in Cinderella and it happened in Snow White. Mm-hmm. And you get, um, you say like, yeah, we're doing this fairy tale and we're going to fight your cynicism about fairy tales while we do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hmm. Actually, that reminds me, I made like a little note about how, so the original fairy tale, right? Aurora is asleep for a hundred years. Right. Um, and the audience is familiar with the original fairy tale. So I wonder how it felt to watch that movie for the first time 
knowing that she's supposed to sleep for a hundred years as the fairies are putting out the lights mm-hmm. and wondering like how long is this gonna is she gonna, like what will happen to philip yeah like yeah. will she, will he still be there after a hundred years mm-hmm. and then to have maleficent gloat with that of like yeah i'll let you go in a hundred years like as an audience member you had to be like mm-hmm. so how are they gonna fix this like because right. that's what the fairy tale is yeah. and like oh my god um, and they're like, oh, it got so fixed cool. in a day. Yeah, yeah, it got fixed in a day. Well, and so, like, the thorns coming up quickly, like, no, they took 100 years to go in the original, but, like, Maleficent's power is just that good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I love this movie. <laughs> and honestly, that entire, like, climactic sequence uh, mm. uh, directed by uh, Willie uh, Reitherman, I always forget how to pronounce his name. Phenomenal. We've talked about him before, haven't we? Yeah, when we did our nine old men thing, but I was, oh, okay. I was going off of a mega German thing, and that's not going to be right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so he directed the sequence. Yeah, he uh, directed that uh, sequence and like boarded it out, and it's just phenomenal, despite mm-hmm. some of its hookup issues. But in a way, you don't really even notice mm-hmm. it unless you're digging deep and analyzing mm-hmm. it because it's like how did he how did philip get there and that's really far away and like yeah. i don't know if that horse would get through those thorns and why is the <laughs> like hey this is a reuse scene and like he reused that but willie reitherman's notorious for reusing scenes and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a bad thing he was very proud that he could reuse those things right, to cut down on costs and it was like cool to reuse stuff so for all you top d- yeah. 10 reuses in disney movies because they're lazy no, it's not being lazy. That's being clever and cost effective. Okay, thanks. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, yeah, the sequence just it's full of a lot of intense emotion and it's just keeps going and going and like the action builds and it just comes to a comes to a head when Maleficent says, You shall deal with me, O Prince, and all the powers of hell. And as a small child, you're like, did she just say? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Do I have to Donald Duck censor that? And all the powers of <laughs> <laughs> All the powers of heck. <laughs> it's... Heck with an asterisk. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just really amazing yeah. oh, God, how that so sequence good. plays out. And even like the musical cues. Mm-hmm. Um especially when before Maleficent even gets over there, where um, we see this beautiful like wide shot of her atop this uh, pillar, and she goes, no, it cannot be, and then she spirals and shoots over there. It's just done so well, because we see her go across the screen, taking full advantage of the, of that that wideness of the seven, 70 millimeter. It is amazing. Like, I love that moment so it's much. So good. Oh, God. Um, the music. Um, you mentioned the musical cue. Yes. Um, which, so, like, that was actually a huge problem for the studio was they didn't know how to score the fight scene because mm. they're using Tchaikovsky. And so that dramatic fight scene music isn't made in a ballet. And so they actually, like, had to take just a few things and they just, like, stretched it and reused mm-hmm. scenes. But it's still, like, or reused um, themes. themes and measures in ways that you really would wouldn't use it traditionally um but they had to just stretch out that whole sequence basically from like philip escaping the dungeon you did it george yeah it's amazing like 
it's such a long sequence that would never fly in a ballet, Mm -hmm. but like they've still pulled it together for the score. Just that big boom as soon as the the crow comes in and sees them come out of the uh, prison, like right there it hits, like it slams. And the same with the music when um, Aurora's in her trance, Mm -hmm. like the every like, yeah, like her her every drop, like her hand dropping off the thing Mm -hmm. because she's not. She's not in control. She stands yeah. up. The cape falls. It's perfect. Uh, and the way the cape falls, it just like ripples. It's so beautiful. I never knew that um, that like like kind of voice, that like haunting tone that we're hearing is her name being said. And I didn't know that until we watched that deleted scene mm. of what it of what an idea they had where it was just like a weird ghostly man saying Aurora. And it's like, hey, that's kind of creepy. I don't even know why she would follow that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially if we don't know for sure that she will respond to Aurora. Yeah, and she's been raised as Briar Rose her whole life. Yeah. Wow. I thought it was interesting, too. Like, you mentioned um, that her last line is her sobbing. Yeah, that's that's her last line. Yeah. And Prince Philip's last line is, goodbye, father. He never speaks again. He, like, gets off his horse, and he is silent through the rest of the film as well. Mm -hmm. Joe, that was really interesting that both of your heroes Mm -hmm. don't have lines for half of the film. Um, And and their last lines are kind of... Even though Philip's goodbye father is a happy one, yeah. like mm-hmm. the words goodbye father, kind of no. not great. But so it, also, show, it yeah. also shows that like how much you can do if you're animating mm-hmm. them right. They, you don't need them to talk. Yeah. No, the whole story is communicated with their mm-hmm. music and their expression and their mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is great. But we watched the lead scene where Aurora is talking all the way up until the minute she pricks her finger mm-hmm. and it was just... It was it was weird. a lot, <laughs> and also because too they sort of recycled um, the whole this what was done in Snow White where mm-hmm. it was like a wishing wheel. Oh yeah, wishing yeah. wheel, a wishing apple. Yes, one <laughs> bite and all your dreams will come true. <laughs> one touch, touch <laughs> and all your dreams will come true if you touch this wheel in order to make textiles yeah. and clothing i know my favorite though is like quick before the sun sets why uh is part of the magic hurry up <laughs> <laughs> like okay creepy lady in the tower yeah who's randomly here in above my room how long have you been here are you <laughs> I mean, eating she's food? not she's not herself well i mean yeah like well that's why they had to do it that way where she's not herself yeah yeah because it wouldn't make it wouldn't make any Mm. sense i'm not familiar with what actually happens in that sequence in the original something something like that where like the where the evil fairy is like in the form of a woman at a wheel and asks for her help and because she's never seen one before she perks herself immediately i've heard versions where it's not wow what a dumbass But it's just an old woman's, like, yeah, there's give and take in that one, I'm not sure. Um, So basically, yeah, it's more like the deleted scene, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. As, like, frustrating as it is, like, Sleeping Beauty is remembered as one of the most powerless princesses. Like, she's in a trance, so she doesn't even really make the decision herself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, then she's asleep for the rest of the film, and, like, it's kind of a bummer. Mm -hmm. Um, She was one of my favorites for a really long time. Until I realized, I'm like, no, it's not. I don't know this movie because of her. You I like love it because of Philip and Maleficent. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I still like I still love Aurora mm-hmm. and her design. Um, yeah, she's she's very beautiful, like very very well done, like all, all the mm-hmm. all the like the shapes and like just everything that uh, Mark Davis and crew put into her is like it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like she herself isn't really all that compelling. She just doesn't have opportunity yeah. to be compelling. Yeah. Like she has she has her nice speech about her dream. Yeah. Um and so we kind of get to like see who she is. She's a lonely teenager. Mm-hmm. Which is what we get from a lot of the princesses. Yeah. They're lonely teenagers who just want a friend or a party or something. I feel that um despite it being like very like Disney kind of cheese, it was very uh relatable teenage moment that I noticed when <laughs> She and Philip were together, and they were uh, just hugging each other and whatnot, leaning on her each other's shoulders. And then she's like, "Oh, uh, I'll never see you again." He's like, "Wait, what?" And she's like, "I mean, tonight, someday. Uh, never mind. Actually, uh, the cottage. I gotta go." And I'm like, "That that's that's a teenage thing to do. Yeah, because you're she's... you're bumbling all over yourself, just <laughs> spaghetti everywhere." Maybe she's <laughs> actually a cancer. She goes straight from like, uh, we just met to, hey, come over and meet my family tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to say she was a cancer, but I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm the cancer and I, and I and Wait, I, I, are you a cancer? I'm a cancer. When's your birthday? Uh, July 15th. July 16th. Hey! <laughs> yeah, and I'm a cancer rising, so. <laughs> right, all right. Yeah. I'll claim Rapunzel. She's my favorite and I'm fairly certain she's a Gemini. She's like... ADD, indecisive, artistic. This is the best queen. day ever! Oh my god, it is <laughs> yeah. awful. I'm a horrible daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Weird. No, Aurora. <laughs> it, she had. She has. Some- some definite cancer vibes. I gotta say, that reminds me of what I did with my boyfriend a little bit. <laughs> so we met back in like high school, and he and I, um, we were good buddies. But I asked him one day, like, "Hey, do you want my number?" Because like I'm worried about you know we should like talk more because he would make jokes about like his mental health it's like you know kind of like self-loathing jokes to, like get through the day and like aha i'm not feeling good and i'm like what's happening and I, and I said hey yeah here take my number and he's like okay and i'm like here also take my mom's number in case you can't reach me and he was like why <laughs> And he still makes fun of me about that to this day because he's like, why would I call your mom? I don't know. And he's a Scorpio. See, I'm the opposite. I had a guy call me after we were dating. We've been dating for four weeks-ish. And he like called me and I was like, oh no, I can't do this. We have to break up now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think there were other things going on. There were other things, but that was the like... The breaking point where I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> I was willing to try. This is the moment where I have decided this isn't going to work. You are too committed to me. Oh, boy. <laughs> I am a free spirit. Let me leave. <laughs> but anyway. Whew. Star signs. You know, Chase, she follows her mother's spirit. She goes wherever <laughs> the wind takes her. <laughs> She's a Sagittarius. (laughs) But hey, it's a good movie. (laughs) It's a good movie, guys. Yeah. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. And even if there are a couple of hiccups in some sequences, (laughs) like 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 the um, dragon fight sequence, Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. 
you believe it and the the, 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 yeah. the sequence of action flows pretty well yeah it really does That's... philip goes to wake aurora up and I will die on this hill. He knew what he was doing when he kissed her. It's not a creeper moment. Yeah. He's creepy in the beginning. But this is a moment where he's yeah. like, no, she is in an eternal slumber until I kiss her. Yeah, because Maleficent freaking told him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If Maleficent hadn't told him, like, I mean, I guess the fairies would have What's told the him, argument for that being a uh, creeper moment? She's kissing when she's sleeping is not consent. Mm. That's, a, that's an unfortunate trope to have mm-hmm. the guy kiss the girl while she's unconscious in movies and it's always like this weird tender thing and like no don't do that Mm. that's that's assault actually Mm -hmm. um but he was breaking a curse he was not assaulting her i will die on that hill (laughs) i'll wake you up and then they come downstairs and everyone's happy and poor king hubert has no idea why (laughs) he's like oh oh the wine (gasps) Stefan's like oh it's the wine (laughs) you don't you don't really get any Mission of alcohol anymore, huh? Nope. nope. We had Pinocchio drink and smoke. I wonder if Aristocats is the last mention of wine. It's the last one I can think of. But they're in France. Oh, you know what? I bet they talk wine in Ratatouille because they're in France, yeah. right? It yeah, would be yeah they do. I, re- I remember now. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, they have a whole scene where they get linguine drunk. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's see. What else do we have? That's about, that's the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, my last final notes are on... The dress color. Well, I mean, I have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven notes just on the fight scene. <laughs> Did we cover them in our Most, discussion? Uh, enough. Well, how long um, have we been here, though? Oh my god, no, we're over two hours of recording. This is gonna be great to edit. Oh my god. I'm so, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> <laughs> not your fault. Oh. <laughs> It's just a great movie. Like, I knew this was going to be one of our longest episodes because, like, I love this movie. Mm -hmm. You love this movie. You like this. You love this movie? You like this this movie? movie. Love this movie. Great. It's going to be a long one. We could wrap it up if you'd like because, I mean, it is getting late. We are on the the end. Yeah. No, Uh, my notes are Prince Philip's ready to go. (laughs) He is ready to get out the door. Um, Even with the fairy's gifts, he still holds his own. The soldering sparks heart because i loved them mm-hmm. Meriwether against the crow was amazing and i, I love it. her and she's so ready to throw aries queen mm. the lightning on her staff maleficent like the way it crackles around her yes. staff in that sequence you were talking about it's, oh, it's so very beautiful. good uh the smoke curling on the nostrils of the dragon glad i i underlined that one three times so i'm glad we mm-hmm. hit it um, Everything about the transformation mm-hmm. from Maleficent into so the dragon cool. is uh, just very beautiful to see. I almost started crying. <laughs> a little bit because it made me think Fantasmic, and Fantasmic always makes me cry because I'm a big old baby. But yeah, I don't, I don't understand why. Like it is one of the most powerful scenes in the film, and they didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't do it, and I'm so mad about it. Didn't do it where Maleficent. Oh, yeah. They announced that movie, and they announced Angelina Jolie, and I said, oh my god, I'm gonna watch Angelina Jolie turn into a dragon, this is gonna be the greatest thing of my life, and they copped out, and I am so mad. That might be my biggest dis- She didn't turn into a dragon at all? No, no, her crow turns into the dragon. What the- Yeah, yeah, and it's in the middle of the castle, and it's like kind of cool CGI, like they did a good job with it, but it's not Maleficent. And I'm so upset. What? Yeah, that, okay, okay, that bone is bigger than my Hans bone. <laughs> yeah, oh. it is. And my Hans bone is pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> I was 
Sandra. <laughs> Love is an open door. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, and then the blood on the sword and the snapping and like the way the fire is animated. It's so good. phenomenal. Hey, it's a good movie. It is very good. And it, again, like it really holds up even to this day. Mm-hmm. Even for a film from 59? Yep. 59. 59. Says it's 60 years in the making, but they were working on that like oh, in yeah. 51. Yeah. It's like, almost a whole decade that movie took a while to get off the ground but it's good that they took their time with it and even if they didn't fully make their money back with it it was still 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 very beautiful it was revolutionary too like we talked a little bit about stylized animation um and we talked about how this is like gothic but this is like the first feature yeah to do a full Mm -hmm. style from beginning to end toe to tip Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just phenomenal. We didn't even talk about like the way that they use height in the film and like the long lines in the trees mm-hmm. are pretty much sticks with like bush on top meant to like contrast the widescreen. Yeah, like, really taking advantage of those verticals and those horizontals that they had the like the scope to work with made full use of that widescreen. So full use of it. And Walt was always like really big. I'm talking about him like I know him. Walter. <laughs> my friend Walter. <laughs> he was just always really big about like making sure that the studio used the new technologies that were coming out mm-hmm. in order to uh, push their creativity. Every film had something new going on mm-hmm. for it. Multiplane, 70 millimeter, Technicolor. Like it just keeps going. It was a businessman that knew what he was doing. And the people that worked on it, it wasn't wasn't just him. The people that worked on it, they Mm -hmm. put their blood, sweat, and tears Mm -hmm. to making this the most beautiful thing that they possibly could. And that legacy continues to last forever. Like, in animation school, people still always look back to this film Mm -hmm. for just beautiful designs. Beautiful character designs, beautiful uh, background, BG paint layout, everything. Yeah, I'm... Mm-hmm. I wrote a paper on this in film school. I'm a notoriously bad student, um, and I don't like doing work. I'm just very good at doing well in school. But, like, this was the one paper I actually, like, worked my ass off on and, mm-hmm. like, did my research and my homework. Because, like, this film is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, also because I wasn't in an animation school, so if I wanted an animation education, I had to get it myself. I was just in a regular film school. But, God, this film is just it's so good. And since we're in L.A., if you happen to be roaming around Burbank, maybe you'll run into Floyd Norman, mm-hmm. a black artist uh, who was at Disney who worked on this film. He's in his 80s, but does not look like it. He's really great. I have I met him, like, a couple times. I met him a couple days, like, just yesterday, actually, again, <laughs> at Creative Talent Network Expo. Um, but by the time this comes out, that'll be, like, a couple weeks ago, I guess. Or a week ago. A week ago. A week ago. Well, yeah, um, he's great. And if you are an animator or a young black artist looking to get into the industry and just want to know more about things, definitely look him up and just look at his work and be inspired. And you guys should totally check out Black and Animated. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really enjoy that podcast, especially if you're someone who loves animation, animation history, and like talking about how it affects culture and context. Mm-hmm. You guys should look at Black and Animated. Mm-hmm. Um, where else can you be found, Bree? Oh, I I can be fine. Fine. (laughs) English. Can I speak it? And reference. Um, (laughs) um, I can be found at, you mentioned, uh, Black and Animated on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Our podcast 
is also located on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and we are hosted on Podbean. So it's blackandanimated.podbean.com. And for me personally, if you just want to hit me up, you can find me on Twitter at Animator. I know, very clever. I thought it was cute because I was like, oh yeah, my name is Brie and I want to animate. And like, I, I, I don't want to animate. I want to storyboard and I like, mm. and I'm currently in production <laughs> at the moment. So work on my way over to the creative side. And you can also find me on Instagram as bread animator because <laughs> somebody took Brie animator who's not even an animation person and I was like how dare so I took bread animator because I have a friend that calls me bread sometimes Aww. so yeah find me there and my portfolio website is uh, briannawilliams.com b-r-e-a-n-a right yes williams w-i-l-i-m yeah so that's where you can find me also be sure to join the black animated Facebook group yeah. Yeah. I, I, we try our best to post uh, job listings for um, animation industry stuff, as well as like any events and like mixers and stuff that's going on. And just cool content. Awesome. Awesome. And so, Chase, what are we going to have for our next mini-sode? Uh, I believe we're doing Mickey's 90th birthday. Yes. Special for our next mini-sode. Yes, so we it are. is an hour and a half long. Are you going to uh, talk about him dropping those sick beats and yes, dancing with the K-pop cool kids? <laughs> yup. Yeah. Yup. And, and, and dancing with his girl to Colors of the Wind. Yep. And consumerism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, get, I, I guess so. We haven't watched it yet. Yeah. But it's about 90 minutes, a little less than 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, we'll probably still come out with a 30-minute episode. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's good cheese, but also... Yeah. It's, it's a mini-sode. It's so, not... Yeah. yeah. It's one of our mini-sodes. Mm-hmm. M-I-N-N-I-E-sodes. And in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at DrawnOutCast and on Instagram at DrawnOutCast. You find me at Chaser Tiff. And me at Brooke Amimi. And you can email us at DrawnOutCast at gmail.com. I always forget that one, but you never email us, so like, I mm-hmm. guess that's why I always forget it. Mm-hmm. It's forgettable. No, email them. They're great. <laughs> email them. I don't know what you'd email us. Email us photos of your animals. Yeah, we still haven't gotten any dogs. I mean, we're recording this. We haven't even put out the episode where we complained that we didn't get dogs. We'll send us your dogs anyway. <laughs> By the time you're hearing this. No, send them your literal dog. Like, in a, in a box. Be like, here, no, this is don't. my dog. Please don't. My cat would be very upset so, with more dogs in the house. As would mine. My cat does not like other animals. I'll take your dog. <laughs> when will you put it? I don't know. I'll have to figure that out. <laughs> This has been a drawn-out closing. This podcast is in no way affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiaries. The views expressed in this podcast by its hosts and its guests belong solely to those people and are not in any way representative of Disney nor any of our employers. Thanks for listening.